the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community and for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. We want to welcome you to our show. You know, I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. I've been in practice for 41 years, 31st year on the radio, and our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities, and they're podcasted everywhere on my website and all the podcast apps. And, you know, I love doing this show because we talk about the mental side of sports. We talk about concentration, motivation, attitude, preparation, team building, the coach-athlete relationship, all those types of things. And if you are a sports fan, you know right now is probably the most exciting time of sports because it's college basketball's peak. All the tournaments are going on everywhere. The NCAA tournament, men's and women's, all the lower division tournaments are going on. High school tournaments are finishing up. It's one of the most exciting times in sports. And I love talking with athletes and coaches about how they succeed, how they deal with failure, how they deal with all these things. And today we're very fortunate to have one of KU's greatest players on the show. His name's Tyrell Reed. When he graduated, 2011 he was the winningest player in Kansas basketball history now that's saying a lot he had a record of 132 and 17 he played on the 2008 national championship team graduated to me more, more importantly graduated with honors he was he's an elite student he's now a physical therapist and he's joining us this morning from Lawrence Kansas Tyrell thanks so much for being with us today thanks for having me I want to thank you for getting up early because our show's on early and and I'm sure you watched the, the KU game yesterday against Creighton. Before we get into a lot of things, what, what's going through your mind as a former player watching these games? What's that like as a player who played on a, a, a national championship team? What's that like for you to sit there and watch it? Uh, you, know, it's, you know, now I can just be a fan. So it's a completely different uh, perspective, I guess you could say. The first the first few years when I had just graduated from KU, uh, it was harder for me to watch the games just because I think, you know, mentally I was still kind of feeling like I was a player. So, um, but now that I've, you know, been removed for about 10 years, it's, it's more enjoyable from a, from a watching standpoint for me. Now I just watch as a fan root for those guys and uh, always hope that they can uh, make, a long, make a long run in the tournament. Now, you were fortunate enough to be on a national championship team, contribute to that team, and, and graduated a couple of years later as the winningest player in, in KU history. Tell us a little bit about 
your career, what it was like to come to KU and play there at such, such a prominent school. You know, there, there's about a dozen great schools with basketball programs in this country that have been been great schools forever. Of course, Kansas is one of them. What was that like for you? You're, you're a high school star in the state of Kansas. What was it like to go to that school in the state you grew up? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, KU, <clears throat> KU was kind of one of the last schools, schools to actually recruit me. I was uh, either most likely going to go to North Carolina or Stanford um, just because they had recruited me a lot harder and um, it was KU kind of coming in very late uh, to recruit me. But, you know, being a Kansas kid, I think everybody wants to grow up and be a, a Jayhawk basketball player. And I was I was one of those kids as well. So it was, it was unbelievable, you know, getting a chance to play at KU. And, you know, I was blessed to be on a, an amazing uh, team my freshman year, the national championship team. And for me, it was pretty simple that year. You know, it was uh, kind of just try to – figure out how to uh, make a little niche on the team. You know, I wasn't playing very much. I played quite a bit my early in the season when Brandon Rush had torn his ACL and was coming back from that. But uh, after that, it was simple. I just was just a great fan for that team. And, um, you know, and then it was just fun to kind of grow into where, you know, freshman year didn't play a whole lot. And senior year, I started every every game of, my, of the season. So, uh, I kind of saw all the ins and outs, ups and downs of being a college basketball player, but blessed to have the experience. And uh, I just love the University of Kansas, and I'm thankful that I'm able to be a physical therapist here now. You know, as a high school star, you, you go to a college, wherever it is, and as a freshman, there's probably a pretty strong chance you may not start right away. And you've been a star. You've been a, a very successful player. What's that like now going – and sitting on the bench as as a freshman because that's an adjustment. Because I work with all these athletes who get scholarships or are very highly recruited, and then they go to college in their first year and may not, may not get to play much at all. So what's that like, that adjustment for you? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And I think we see it more and more this day and age where the transfer portal is so simple to, you know, if you're not playing or you don't like where you're at to just – jump ship and go to a different school but you know I was I'm from the you know my dad was my high school basketball coach and I kind of understand the you know the the thought process that goes into coaching and you know picking players and like my dad always told me the coach's job is to win so if he doesn't think he's gonna you're gonna give them their best chance to win you're probably not gonna play um especially in college basketball where it's you know it's their job and livelihood at risk it's like not like they're going to have a personal vendetta against you if you're not playing. So, because uh, they want to win and they want to, you know, have a successful career. So, I was able to just understand that, you know, I wasn't going to give them my best, the best chance to win as a freshman. So, uh, it was my job to just try to get a little bit better each day. So, you understood that from the beginning coming in, but a lot of guys don't. Lots of athletes, male and female, that I work with, you know, when they get their scholarship, they get the school they want to start. So, that adjustment yeah. of not playing as much as you did in high school initially you you understood that but emotionally how do you deal with that how'd you move on from that and grow from that because i always tell a lot of kids that i work with i know it, it it's not fun not playing but when you're on the bench watch what's going on because that actually helps you mentally because you can sort of see who you're guarding who you're playing against maybe what's going to go on so when you come in the game that's going to help you out definitely yeah you've got to take it as a as a chance to grow and learn and um 
you know, being able to watch and, and, you know, my freshman year, be able to watch, you know, an unbelievable group of guys out there playing and, and, and figuring out, you know, if I was, you know, try to put yourself as a player, you know, in the, in the role that you would have if you were out there. So, you know, I got to watch Sharon Collins, Mario Chalmers, uh, Brandon Rush, those kind of guys just play all year and, um, it doesn't make it any easier not playing. I, I, I get that. It's it's frustrating when you think that you should be out there, but you just have to understand that um, it's a process, and, and you've got to take every opportunity to get better. And at that time, it's getting better by watching the game. Did you set daily goals for yourself or weekly goals for yourself in terms of what you wanted to work on or learn learn and grow from? I don't know if I'd say I set like daily or weekly goals. I kind of just had more a little bit like longer term probably you know, yearly goals. And, you know, coming in as a freshman, my goal was to play. Um, it for sure was not to sit on the bench. Uh, but I was I was fortunate early on in that year that I was, I, I was playing. I was playing, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a game until Brandon Rush came back. And I did kind of understand at the time, though, that uh, he was uh, a player that was, you know, had a chance to be drafted, a lottery pick. So when he came back, I knew that I was probably going to have to slide to the bench. But, uh, you know, my goals were just to kind of get better each and every year, so that I had an opportunity to to contribute and play at a, a you know great university like Kansas. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Tyrell Reed. When he graduated, the winningest player in the history of Kansas basketball. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs is a conversation about success in sports and life, coaching, youth sports, and so much more. Listen to athletes, coaches, parents, and just ordinary folks like you who want to achieve and have fun doing it. Now you can support the show at patreon.com slash Hour. Get access to ad-free content and exclusive Patreon-only episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash Hour. That's patreon.com slash Hour. Wait. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. We want to welcome you to our show. We're here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And my guest today is Tyrell Reed, one of KU's greatest basketball players, the winningest player in KU history at 132-17 and 17 when he retired. Has that record been broken now, Tyrell? I mean, I'm assuming Mitch Lightfoot probably has it because he's played more, more games than God as a KU basketball player. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely believe that he has played more. I think what, uh, from what I'm told, that what they do for the the winningest players is they, because typically you only have a, a four year career unless you you redshirt or you know had a COVID year. So they still use it over um, a four year span. So I, I, I currently, I guess, still am the the winningest player. Yeah, but you didn't play six. Can you imagine playing six years at college basketball? What would that have been like? Uh, that would have been interesting. Um, I'm, I don't know if Coach would have kept me around that long. He probably said, "Get up, get out of here." Um, but yeah, it, it's it's amazing, you know, that those guys get the opportunity to continue to play because I mean, shoot, with COVID, that COVID year and getting the NCAA tournament shut down. I mean, what a frustrating, uh, what a frustrating thing to deal with as a college athlete. So let's talk about this this area for a second. Um, as you know, I'm a sports psychologist. I work with mm-hmm. the psychological issues of performance, but also mental health and just being an athlete and the pressure you have to deal with. And, of course, mental health now in the last few years. I've talked about it forever on this show, 
most people have sort of ignored it, but now it's becoming a big topic because of all the issues going on. I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will come out on top. Mm-hmm. What's your view of, of the psychological side of sports and mental health now, Tyrell, just in terms of all the issues going on? We just had a tragedy a few weeks ago with the Stanford women's mm-hmm. uh, goalie killing herself, committing yeah. suicide, which is just awful. But we're hearing all these stories now of athletes being verbally abused, not getting along. I've got several in my office right now, three college so- female so- soccer players who, quite frankly, are, are thinking of suing their coach because of the verbal abuse that, that this, this man does towards them. And quite frankly, I think they should. But what's your view on all that? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a different day and age. You know, I think it, mental health is just a, a much more prominent thing that we're aware of. And, you know, athletes for, for years, you know, it's not like it's something new. They've been dealing with this for a long time. I think it's just, like you said, coming to the forefront. And, um, it's, it's huge. Uh, I, 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 I'm thankful that universities now, you know, have a lot more uh, emphasis on making sure their, their players and athletes have access to the tools that they need to, uh, to make sure they're on top of their game. Because I think used properly, this is something that can be, um, can help everybody. You know, I, you know, I didn't really ever go to a, a sports psychologist or anything when I was playing, but I can, I can understand the, the benefit that it would have just to, you know, kind of talk through the things that you're dealing with. And I mean, I think every player uh, goes through periods where they may lose confidence or be struggling with something. And if just being able to talk about it or find a way that you can get through it, and, uh, would have been a, uh, an excellent thing to have. I know when I started my career 41 years ago, uh, nobody heard of sports psychology, and, and I was KU's yeah. first sports psychologist. I worked with a basketball team when Larry Brown was there, and, and I worked with so many of the athletes on confidence issues and focusing issues and team built, getting along with teammates, things like that. Mm-hmm. How do you see today, when you look at teams, the importance of all that, you know, of getting along with everybody, working together, and not getting frustrated because it's like we said earlier when you go to college you want to play and everybody isn't going to play all the time or even some of the time yeah it's huge and i think even even more so now with uh the ability to transfer quickly and and play again so if you're you know a player that let's say doesn't like their coach or doesn't like their teammates doesn't get along with them it makes it much easier for you to just say hey i'm going to jump ship and uh you know, find a different college or different program, which is better fitted for me. And I think that's a good thing um, in in certain instances. But I also think that it can become an issue where you have a player that that, maybe doesn't get along with with somebody, is not utilizing, you know, maybe sports psychology or, you know, a mental health expert, and and then they transfer and they have the same issue. And then maybe they need to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that I'm the problem. Uh, So hopefully – that can be something that can you know help solve some of those problems. I have a saying: a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach is a sports psychologist. Of course, you were privileged; <laughs> you got to play with for your dad, who I'm sure mm-hmm. you would say was a great psychologist. And for someone in the Hall of Fame, Bill Self, who who obviously the same. What would you it, when you look back on on your playing career? And of course, you played overseas a little bit when you graduated. Mm-hmm. How would you define a really good coach? And what are some of the qualities of really good coaching that you, that you feel? Is, is essential to survive, but also to, to work with your team and the players? You know, I think you just have to be able to connect to your players in whatever way that is. You know, that doesn't mean you have to be a young coach because you're, you know, you're coaching young players. Uh, but, you know, I think 
let's just, you know, to talk about like Coach Self. Coach Self just does an amazing job with connecting with his players and letting him know that he cares on a level that is not just a player coach, but, you know, almost like a father figure to, to some of these guys that, you know, maybe haven't had a dad in their, in their lives. And he does an amazing job of, of being able to, to toe that line of being strict, being tough on you, trying to make sure that you, you, he gets the most out of you. He's going to, you know, at times yell and scream and, 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 and coach you. But at the same time, he's going to, he never makes it personal. It's not like he is is out to get you. And and you know, as soon as he yelled at you in the entire practice, he's going to crack a joke afterwards. Uh, you know, about himself yelling at you, or about you know something that you did that day that you know the whole team will be laughing. So um, it's just he does a really really good job of 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 you know almost being that sports psychologist and knowing how to to bring the most out of you, but also have fun at the same time. I've worked with a couple of D one coaches. And, and, and coaches at le- lesser levels than Division One, who've had issues like that, uh, yelling and screaming, controlling their anger. I've never met Coach Self, but everything I've heard, I've, I've talked to a number of players who played for him, and they've all said the same thing. You know, he'll get on you, but you also know he's doing it out of care and love for you, not yeah. because he doesn't like you. And if he has an issue with you, he's going to talk to you privately about it, correct? Correct. You know, he's not one of those people that's going to leave you out hanging, wondering if you're you know, you're in the wrong, you did something, you know, if he sees something in practice that he doesn't like, he's going to let you know. And it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, the 15th player or the first player, you know, if you're the best player on the team, you get the same exact treatment um, throughout the whole season. I think, you know, that's something as a coach that you have to be able to do is, is treat everybody the same. Um, you know, he, he never plays favorites. Obviously, he has guys that, you know, start and play the majority of the minutes, but I think we can all see that they're probably the, the best basketball players and give us the best chance to win. So, He's uh he's an amazing amazing man, amazing coach. You know he does a, a great job with that. How much communication was there with your father uh, while you were there for, by him? Any at all, or, or not really? Much? Not really. You know that that was probably one of the good things of playing for uh playing for my dad is he kind of understood that you know hey I was your coach in high school. Your coach is coach self now. Um, he makes the decisions. You know. You can, you know, you can talk to me if you're frustrated or things like that, but he's the one that makes the choices, and you understand that I had to make the choices in high school. So you can't come whining to me that, you know, you're not playing, or he's like, you better figure out how to change it so that you can play because as a coach, you're going to play your best guys. You're not going to have this personal, uh, you know, something personal for a player because you don't like them or you don't like their parents. You're going to play the best players because that's your job at risk, too. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Tyrell Reed. He won a national championship with the University of Kansas basketball team in 2008. Of course, we're in the middle of the NCAAs. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to talk about the pressures of playing in this tournament, how you mentally prepare for it, how you deal with the stress and and tension because there's a lot of it going on. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is the winningest player in KU basketball history, Tyrell Reed, and he's been kind enough to join us this morning to talk about his career and the mental side of playing basketball. So let's get into how you got ready to play mentally, Tyrell. I mean, what, what did you do mentally to get ready? Was there a routine you went through? Did you work on that? And then when you got to the Big 12 tournament, the NCAA tournament, did that change at all? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I think most players try to have some type of a routine just so that they can, uh, you know, something that's repeatable, something that kind of gets you, you know, that that level of comfort prior to each game. And you know, I had a just a routine, you know, daily routine of, uh, you know, the things I would wear, the type of warm up I would do. Uh, you know, I would, you know, kind of say a prayer at a certain time, and you know, I think those are little things that just kind of give you a, a level of comfort and. Uh, repeatability uh, throughout the season and you know I, I wouldn't change anything throughout the season that you know only the things that would change I guess would be the the stage that we're playing on and you know the the amount of pressure that comes with it I think all players feel that that you know that goes up as the season goes on but uh, I definitely think routine was important for me back in December I had the Chiefs kicker Harrison Bucker on my show and he and Tommy Townsend the Chiefs punter came on and we talked about mental preparation and things like that and Obviously, in the playoffs, both against Buffalo and Cincinnati, he had to make game-winning kicks at the end yeah. of each game. If he misses the kick, season's over. And Harrison, the day after he made the, the kick the tied the game against Buffalo, where the Chiefs went on the win, the day after he was interviewed and was talking about it, and he said, you know, I, I, I didn't even enter my mind that if I made the kick, you know, we keep playing, we miss it, we're, we're done. He said, I was just focusing on what I do to execute and make the kick. Was that the way you tried to focus when you played? You weren't trying to worry about results as much as, as the effort that you put into it? Yeah, talk about some mental toughness by him, even even though, you know, to, to say that. Uh, but, man, that's, a, that's an amazing, amazing thing. I, you know, I've always thought a kicker, you're kind of out on a desert island, and you completely do something different than all the other football players. So kudos to him. I think, you know, in basketball, definitely I was trying to – you know, definitely do a little bit of the same and just trying to, you know, focus in on the process and not necessarily the result half of the time, but especially as a shooter, because you can kind of go through some, some slumps and you're always thinking next shot. And that was kind of my mindset as a player. To me, shooting a free throw is the same as kicking a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's the same every, you know, probably kicking a field goal, field goal is even harder because, you know, they're moving different distances, uh, different hash marks. And with free throws, it's, you know, 15 feet uh every single time so uh that's why i think you know the the great shooters just have that repeatability to their to their shot and you know do the exact same thing each time and um obviously there's a a mental component to it as well when i worked at ku i worked with both the teams and actually we led the big back then was the big eight and free throw shooting and calvin thompson will always have the big eight record for consecutive free throws because he had a routine, we we worked on that. And he's been on the show before. We had a routine that he would work through, visualizing sh- shooting the ball, seeing it go in the cylinder, and then he'd get up to the line, visual, you know, do his little routine, visualize it, and shoot it. Basically, try not to think about it and just try to focus mm-hmm. on what he's doing. Did you did you have the same type of of routine? Yeah, I did. You know, it was it really was. It was just something that became natural. I, you know, from my career, I was I think I was only you know I was over an eighty percent free throw shooter, but which is kind of frustrating to me. I felt like I should have been a 90 or 95% free throw shooter, but wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. And then if you thought if you're 90 or 95, you probably would have thought you should have been 98 or 99, right? Well, <laughs> I understand you're going to miss one now and then, but man, um, like you said, free throws are the same exact thing. So as a, especially being a coach of the sun, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, those are, those are bunnies. Those are things that you should just make every time. So frustrating when you miss it. Um, but, uh, definitely some, just try to make it the same same exact shot each time, and um, you know I did. I, I honestly enjoyed at the end of the game when you know you had the pressure to make a free throw. It just 
you know, your, your, your focus. And, um, you know, it just felt like it was, uh, what you were, what you were meant to do. You know, you, you as a kid, you, you practice in your driveway to, to shoot the, you know, game winning free throw or make a shot at the end of the game. And that was fun. That was fun for me. So let's talk about playing in the tournament. How is that different than the regular season mentally? You know, I think it's, it's really different. And I, one of the things that I just, you see year in and year out is, you know, you've got the big upsets, uh, the one seeds, the two seeds going down. I mean, we had a, do we have one seed go down yesterday? Yeah. Baylor uh, lost yesterday. Yeah. Baylor, Baylor. And, um, it's just a whole different, you know, you have this, you know, Kansas perennially best basketball team in the nation every year. You know, you have a target on your back every game, but this time of year, it's, it's one game, you know? So I, I feel like it's really difficult for some of those teams to come out and play loose and play free and, you know, have a free mind and, you know, not play tight. Well, you're playing a 15 or 16 seed that has absolutely nothing to lose, you know, and that's all their coach talks about before the game is, you know, we're just going to let it, let it fly when we're out there. And if it was, if this was a, uh, you know, a double elimination tournament or a three game series, uh, you know, the results would probably be a lot less enjoyable for the fans, but as a player, sometimes I wish it would have been that way. Yeah. I, I've heard some quotes from some people. I coach self was talking about that the other day. You know, it, it's a whole different thing. If you have like a, baseball world series type of situation where it's you know four out of seven but but here's the deal um mentally the pressure that you put on yourself is obviously different because you lose you're done i i have a bat in my office from a major league player and he wrote on there control what you can control the less i think the better i am what's your thought about that I i think that's exactly what it should be um that's a that's a great quote uh because that's, you know, that is exactly the truth. That's in life, you know, only control what you can control. Um, there's certain things that are completely out of your, you know, like one thing, KU I thought did an amazing job is both of their games this week, um, this past weekend, were overtime games. Um, both of the games got pushed. Obviously, our first game was really, really late, but, you know, your start time got pushed back 30 or 40 minutes. So as a player, you're back there you know, ramping up and itching to go, and then your game gets pushed back a half hour or 45 minutes, but yet they came out and had a, a great start. And, you know, that shows some, you know, big mental toughness uh, to me that they were prepared to do that. On top of being in the last game of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. How often did you start a game at 10 o'clock at night? That's, you know, that's one of the games that as a, as a coach and a player you really don't want to have because you're, you have all day to think about it. You have all day to watch all the other teams play. And, you know, kids and players are human like anybody else. So they're, they're looking at the results. You're looking at how other teams are playing. But like you said, control what you can control. You control your energy, your effort. And um, those are things that I thought we had a, did a really good job of uh, putting forth this weekend. So give us an idea of, of when you're playing in these tournaments. <clears throat> what you did during the day before, let's say you've got a seven o'clock game at night. What would you do during the day to get prepared for that? Give us an idea about that. Yeah, it's, it's really similar from what we would do if we had a seven o'clock game, you know, during the big 12, if coach self does a nice job of, he understands we're college kids and like to sleep. So he, he lets the guys sleep in until, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock, depending on when the, when the game is, we'll get up and have breakfast and then we'll get out and have a shoot around, kind of get the blood flowing, come back to the hotel and, have another meal. I feel like that's all we do when we're on the road is eat, but that's, hey, most players like to eat, so that's a good thing. And the, the worst part is probably after that shoot around leading up to the game where you have, you know, probably four or five hours to kill. And 
that's when you're that's when you're starting to to ramp up and you know now that we have social media i'm sure you you see different things and it's just try to avoid as many distractions this time of year as you can so you had a set routine you would go through no matter when you played what time of day or whether it was the tournament because what i'm picking up from you, you just tried to focus on the effort and what you were doing rather than the results definitely definitely it was the coach self is uh you know a big big routine guy so it was literally the same thing that we did you know when we let's say when we lost to Baylor uh right at the end of the season on on the road when I think I think we had a night game um but you know that routine was the same as the routine we had uh when we when we played uh Texas Southern on on Thursday it was the same exact you know game day routine and uh that's what you know I think you try to do is just keep it as normal as possible I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is the winningest player in the University of Kansas basketball history, Tyrell Reed. We're having a great interview. We're talking about the mental aspect of how he got prepared to play, dealing with the pressures of being a college athlete. We come back, we're going to finish up our last segment. We're going to talk about confidence, how you gain it, how you lose it, what it's about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And I'm very fortunate this morning to have Tyrell Reed on with me, the winningest player in Kansas basketball history, talking about his career, how he dealt with the mental aspect of playing. And I want to talk with Tyrell this last segment with you about confidence. Um, I, I work with athletes on so many different issues, and I have four key words I, when we're talking about performance. Preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence. Preparation is how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. What are the things you do to get ready? Focus is what you're concentrating on. What are the distractions that get in the way? And I'll get to that in a second. There are three kinds of attitudes to me, positive, negative, and realistic. And I always work with people and try to have a positive, realistic attitude. And then confidence is the foundation of all of it, the ability to believe in yourself. And you know, distractions, when you played, um, you graduated in 2011, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. S- social media was out, but not like it is today. And I have so many pro and college athletes that work with me who, who are fairly prominent in their, in their sports. And I tell them to get off social media during the season. Don't pay attention to it. The only social media you should get on is listening to my show. <laughs> I joke with them about it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, what I find is if... You make a mistake, you screw up, you know, you get these incredibly terrible things said to you about what an awful person you are, threats. And if you do well, you know, you're like the greatest person in the world. So, and I say, who tells you that? Who says these things? Most, almost all the time, people that you've never met and will never will meet. So from a distraction standpoint and playing at a prominent school like you did, everybody knows who you are. You're walking around going to class. You, you graduated, great, you know, tremendously successful academic career. How'd you deal with that as, as, as a college athlete? And what would you suggest to people today? Yeah, you're right. Um, in terms of, you know, social media was just becoming a, a bigger thing when I was playing, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that was out. And, you know, kind of all, most players had, had one of those accounts. And I think you're right. It's just about figuring out what to kind of pour your energy into and, and what not to it. You know, it's human to, to be, you know, to have a Twitter and, you know, seeing people posting terrible things after you, you know, miss shots, you, you have a bad game. Uh, 
and you missed that free you know, throw could, on purpose, didn't you? You did that just to yeah, screw exactly. us, right? Exactly. Yeah, you you were the one that cost me that parlay. You know, that was that was your fault. So, um, like you said, I think the best thing you can do is just to realize that these people are somebody that has no clue who you are as a person. You know, they're just reacting to a certain situation, and and you just try to, you know, stay off of stay off of those sites as much as much as you can. But my, my goodness, I, I guarantee you that if you talk to most players, that they're looking at social media because. You know how how good does it feel when people are praising you? You know versus when they're they're knocking you. But still, it's just something that you can do to just try to minimize those distractions. You know throughout the season. Yeah, I mean this this past summer with the Olympics, Simone Biles withdrew from so many all but the last yeah. event, and there was a guy who has a podcast show, and I won't even give him the credit of saying his name, and I listened as he called her a sociopath um, because <laughs> you know I'm like. You're the sociopath to say something like that. Why? Why would you say something like that? I, I like to see you go out there and do a vault land on your neck and break your neck and see how you feel about that. I mean, it, it's the things people say make no sense. But he wanted ratings, and that's what that's all about for him, I'm sure. But the pressures, okay, affect your confidence, and and I want to get into that. So, how did you keep your confidence at a high level? And when it wasn't, what did you do to bring it back? Um. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing. You know, it's a as a shooter, I think, you know, you're, you're always one shot away from getting on a roll. I think that was my mental idea, um, was always trying to, to stay at, you know, to stay ready, um, to, to not try to think about it too much. And just to know that, um, you you know, you're one shot away from, from going on a, you know, a streak of making 10 in a row. So that was my, my thought process was always just trying to keep my confidence and, and, in my routine and not trying to think about, uh, the results as much, but, that's a tough thing to do when you're, you know, in the NCAA tournament when you're missing four or five shots in a row and, you know, you guys are down seven or eight. And it can be a tough thing. That's why I think you see a lot of teams that just, for some reason, you know, you just can't get things going as you, you can lose confidence. I always like to ask my clients, especially who play basketball, what record did Kobe Bryant break, God rest his soul, two years before he retired? Do you know what that was? Did he have the most misses in a, in a career? There you go. Yeah, well, yeah. I, f- I figured you'd probably know that. Um, yeah, most missed shots, and he played two more years. And, you know, you know there's a saying, you, you don't miss a shot you don't take. But what do you think that said about him, about confidence for him? Yeah, you can just tell that that was not an issue. That was Confidence was never an issue. And I think probably with him, it was his amount of preparation he did. It always allowed him to feel like he was, um, you know, the best player out there because he had prepared more than everybody else. and. That just goes to show you that, hey, I'm, I'm going to let it fly. I've, I've done the work, and it's going to turn around, even if I'm missing shots. So, yeah, that Mamba mentality was, uh, was impressive that he had that. Um, you know, I think the greats have that. You know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, you know, they have that ability to just kind of turn it on and turn it off. So what was your, what's your definition of confidence for you, Terrell? I think my idea of confidence is, probably just have putting in the work because um, once you've put in the work you you try not to, to think about things too much you just go out and do what you've what you've prepared to do and um, when you start to think that's when uh, it goes downhill for, for any athlete and like you said just go out and try to have a free mind is, is the key uh, especially this time of year just go out and play what's the detriment of being smart and playing sports probably the worst thing you could be if you're trying to because you get in your own head you get in the you start to overanalyze things. And, uh, you know, I found myself, uh, not that I'm smart by any means, but I felt myself 
sometimes trying to overanalyze things or like, why did you miss this? Or why did you have a bad game this game? You played great this game versus, you know, sometimes just, just letting it go and just, just know that it's sports and there's ups and downs and momentum is a great thing when you have it. And when you don't, it's, it's hard to get it back. So that's, what's fun about sports, what's fun about the time, this time of year. And, uh, Hopefully we can just kind of keep that momentum that we have. Well, I'm going to challenge you. You said not that you're smart. You were an academic All-American first-team selection your senior year and three-time academic All-Big 12 first-team member. So you are a bright guy. So let me ask you this question, <laughs> give you a little, little credit there. Um, I'm sure you played with some players throughout your career who weren't, as some people say, not the sharpest tools in the shed. How do you <laughs> think they dealt with success and failure, those guys like that? Yeah, I think we all deal with it differently. Um, we all deal with it differently. Uh, you know, I can't really sometimes speak for, for how they, they dealt with it, but I, I think the big the big key is just putting in that work and knowing that you have done everything in, in your power to, to make yourself have a successful game. And, um, you know, I think Coach Self does a great job of, of preparing us so that it's never – that we're not prepared to go out and we, you know, we, we have the scouting report. We have all the numbers. We know that this guy goes likes a two dribble pull up left and we need to force him right. You know, we have all those things at our, you know, at our fingertips. So it's put, put that to the side and just focus on what you can control. And um, that's what I think can give us confidence, you know, moving forward. As we wrap up the show this morning, and first of all, I want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your, your thoughts here. I think this will help a lot of people because our shows are podcasted everywhere, and I know a lot of people listen to these shows. What would you say to high school athletes who have aspirations of playing collegiately and maybe even moving on about the mental aspect of where they're at and what they need to do to be the best they can be? I, I you know, I think definitely one of the biggest things is with the day and age we're in with social media is trying to, to focus on the things that you can control. And that's the only thing you can control is yourself. You can't control what other people are going to say. So, you know, trying to minimize the distractions there, but I think, you know, something that just gets away from us in this day is just having fun. You know, you, you started playing sports because you enjoyed it, you know, because you, you wanted to be with your teammates, you know, you, you did something that you were successful at and you, and you saw some, you, you know, you maybe got some accolades and people, um, knew you were a great player. So just go back to the reason for why you play. And I think the other thing I'd say is it's, you know, everybody thinks being a division one, you know, athlete is the only way you're successful, but my goodness, there's junior college, there's NAIA, there's division two, II, division three. I mean, there's so many great players everywhere and very few people get a chance to play collegiate athletics. So don't get hung up on playing division one or, you know, your failure because you played division two. I mean, just go out and play the game that you love and, and enjoy it. We've got about a minute left. I want you to comment on one thing real quick. I'm, in my book that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, our third chapter is Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. What do you think that means? Yeah, I think you don't um, you don't really fully uh, appreciate winning uh, until you've had some losses uh, in your you know whether that's in sports or life, and you can you can kind of appreciate and cherish those things a little bit more. And I know for myself now that. You know, I was lucky enough to, to be on a national championship team. I can't say I was a huge contributor, but I was I was definitely part of it. Um, and then having gone through the tournament and you know losing in the round of 32, the Sweet 16, and the Elite Eight, I having that success that we did that first year, I appreciate it so much more. Um, having gone through a little bit of struggle in those other rounds, Tyrod Reed, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a great interview. I know a lot of people will benefit from it. If people want to reach you, how can they get a hold of you, real quick? Um, you can reach out to me. You know, I'm on social media. I've got uh, Twitter. 
I've got um, – that's probably the, the quickest way for people to reach out to me um, is just find me on Twitter, shoot me a direct message, and I'd be happy to, you know, connect or do anything that I can help. If, I, if there's any way I could ever help an athlete or um, talk to somebody, you know, I, I would for sure do that. So Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great interview. Take care. Appreciate it. You got it.